This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, it's David Avern with the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. You know, when we talk about customers or consumers today, the term consumer can mean a lot of different things. It's B2B and B2C and segmented by demographics and psychographics and more. Of course, one of the most influential, if not the most influential driver of purchasing decisions is the group that actually constitutes more than 50% of the population. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Leah Woodford founder and CEO of the Smart Femme Media Group, about understanding and leveraging the fierce brand loyalty of the female consumer. It's David Averin on the Customer Experience Advantage podcast, back in 20 seconds. You're listening to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin, featuring candid conversations with some of the most influential leaders in business today. Sit back and listen in, or feel free to watch the video version online. This is the Customer Experience Advantage Podcast, and here's David Averin. And thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. Uh, you know what? I think I've said it before that one of the great things about having my own podcast, of course, is that I get to interview who I want to. I have the great fortune of, of being a guest on a lot of other podcasts, and we talk customer experience and what's changed in the world. But I love tapping the inside of other brilliant entrepreneurs and others as well. Now, I've sort of... Uh, been around the orbit of Leah Woodford for a lot of years and, and very familiar with the work that she does with Smart Femme Media. And she has her own um, TV talk show and her own magazine and everything else as well. But uh, I'm excited today to talk to her because I want to talk about um, with all the changes in the world and, and what's influencing the buying behavior and influencing the, the new products and the things that are really coming down the pike. And of course, if anybody, I, I guess we can't make any assumptions, but for myself being married and, um, and being the son of somebody who actually has a mom, how many people have moms out there? How many people? I, I guess that's most everybody. Um, we know who makes a lot of the decisions, um, but it's different today. It's not just around the household decisions. It's around corporate America and it's around everything. So I'm thrilled to have Leah Woodford with us here today. I'll, I'll do a quick introduction, then we'll greet her officially formally. She is the chief executive officer and founder of the Smart Femme Media Group. It's a full-service digital marketing and advertising company. Smart Femme was created as a result of her many years as a publicist, a columnist, and a radio and TV personality. She has extensive experience as a media personality and developed her own segments for ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox Networks. She's also an online marketing and social media expert and shares the latest trends to help companies move to the next level in her ever-changing digital space. And of course, she's also a phenomenal uh, speaker as well at many conferences around. So Leah, thanks for, welcome to the show. Oh, David, I've been a fan for a long time and it's nice to see you somewhere else besides a plane. I'm usually yeah, texting you, you on a plane to a gig somewhere. You know what? And here's the funny thing is, is and of course, these interviews are a little bit evergreen, but um, I said to my wife that that once COVID is over, I am not going to complain about airplanes anymore. And there's times when I feel like it, I'm about to bite my lip, but I'm so thrilled to be back on the road. I'm so thrilled for all of us to be able to share wisdom and help build and grow companies 
um, face-to-face on the road. And so you tell us a little bit about your, your life um, pre and post pandemic and what you did during this time. And I, and I really want to delve into your unique ex, um, insights and expertise uh, in terms of, of, of the female marketplace and what some of those drivers are. Sure. Well, as you've heard from my, uh, well, actually you read it, but um, yes, I've been in the media for a long time, but it's media traditionally was always very male dominated. And when I decided to create my own company, I realized women are all the consumers and, and depending on the sector, I mean, healthcare, we make 92% of the decision. So it just made sense for me as a woman to create a media that would support women and also help women educate women so they can make better buying decisions for their families. And so tell us about how you you structured your business, because for a long time, I remember the magazine, you do a lot of video work, and now it's really more of a comprehensive media group. Tell me all the things that that entails. How do you, what are all the vehicles and the, and the venues that you use to, um, to educate and to get your message out? Well, like everybody else, I use a lot of social media, but um, I'm still an old school media girl. I love books. I love magazines. I love the tangibility. And um, when digital came out, you know, it was great. And we all jumped on the bandwagon, but it still doesn't have the cachet of a real book or something tangible. So when the technology emerged a couple of years ago where you could actually do a digital and a print magazine, that just made perfect sense to me. Wow. And while I love television, you know, COVID kind of killed that. People weren't going into studios and um, they were doing Zoom. And that's when I doubled down on print because when we were in lockdown, let's face it, we were excited when the Amazon guy showed up. Every five times a day. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So print, I think its demise has been greatly exaggerated. You go into any grocery store and you'll see racks magazines. Um, Success leaves clues. I mean, Oprah was one of my big influences and I've had the pleasure of interviewing one of her producers years ago. And she kind of explained to me how that all worked out. And I just, I've loved it. And a lot of people have used that, even television personalities. I mean, we see Gwyneth Paltrow with Goop. We see Fixer Upper with Joanna and Chip Gaines. Um, It allows them to kind of create their own franchise, their own business, because when you're working for the man or in corporate America, you're still in the golden handcuffs. And for Chip and Joanna, they couldn't, they had products that they couldn't push on their show. So they created the magazine Magnolia, sold out the first day. Um, And a lot of that was by women, by the way. Yeah, but but aren't they, I think in many ways, the model of course was created in in some ways by by Martha Stewart and the whole idea Mm -hmm. of the Martha Stewart Omnimedia. But that whole term has really become a major driver for many of us, right? Which is Omnimedia, which means we're Omnichannel. Right. Every way somebody wants to hear from us or contact us or reach or buy from us, Omnichannel really has been the primary driver. We saw a lot more of that during COVID and certainly now post-COVID where as consumers, we've changed, haven't we? I think, I think 
we have a lot of different influencers. I, I mean, the world is global now as we're, as we're seeing that play out, but also we're tech savvy. You know, what worked in 1970 just doesn't work anymore. Your consumer is tech savvy and they are researching you and then you have to have real social proof. All right, let's talk about something that that I probably was controversial at one point, but I think we've seen a big shift and I would love your insight because I, I think you have great insight into this. For so often, and, and I am of that age at, at 58, where there were things that were for girls and there were things that were for boys. Uh -huh. And when there was the girl version, it was pink or whatever yeah. else. But even when they started doing video games and things, the boys were shoot them up, blast aliens and women. And for girls, it was adventures at the mall, right? When we look at technology today, is there still some sort of a divide or do developers and others recognize the tech savviness of women from a business perspective, from a consumer perspective? Is there a difference or is there even unique insights that women have in terms of how we're buying and communicating um, that, that differentiates them from the men? I think there is. Um, I think the pink team, blue team, it's still there, but it's not as big as it used to be. But also we're seeing women engineers, you know, at the forefront. I mean, we're seeing more women take ownership of their careers and of products. So I think, you know, we still have a long way to go. We still absolutely have a long way to go, but we're a lot closer than we used to be. And, you know, I think, I think just forging forward is the only way, but I think there will always be a little bit of pink team and a little bit of blue team. And um, I think more women are embracing their masculine side, but I also see men getting softer and more approachable too. So I think we're just, we're just, community uh communicating better yeah well let's let's talk sort of uh post-covid as we <laughs> look at all of the the new amenities the new mechanisms for for buying for communicating um for reaching out for customizing and mm -hmm. we change i talk about this with my clients i talk about it on stage as well um i i ask all the time i say anybody notice that your customers or clients are a little more impatient, a little more demanding. Well, we all are, right? Because because right. of how things have changed with Amazon and others as well. Um, what have what have we learned uh, that what what has been driven by by the I, and I and I struggle with the terminology because I never want to get that get that wrong. I, we don't say girls, I know that, but but females by women. Um, what have been some of the the innovations? What's been some of the learning in terms of how do we influence them? more effectively as the primary decision makers in so many sectors? I think it starts by listening to them, David. For a long time, um, a long time companies didn't really listen to women. They didn't have enough women on their boards or in their, in their leadership circles, but we're seeing more women in leadership circles and therefore they're having more influence. But I also see a lot of men who have raised strong women like yourself. Yeah. You know, and I think that I think fathers have a lot to do with it. I think um, the days of Ozzy and Harriet and the man and the patriarch, the patriarch of the family has changed over the years. 
And I think men are, are really taking more of a role in raising daughters and elevating them and go, baby, go, you got this, you can do it. And so we're seeing that trickle up. Yeah, I, I love that the hashtag online that was going for a while, that girl, hashtag girl dad. And for those of us who are dads who are really proud, and I had, <clears throat> excuse me, I had daughters who were, who were great athletes. And so as strong, I mean, boys that, that do not want to mess with them. Um, but we're also seeing women in more, uh, in, in greater leadership positions that are driving product development, driving messaging, and that as well. Well, I think so. When you look at the consumer, um, women have been responsible well, this is an old uh, statistic, 82% um, of women influence or are making the buy. More women have money now and they're making the buy or they're influencing the buyer. And it depends on the sector. You know, um, I'm going to say, like I said earlier, 92% of healthcare decisions are influenced by the woman. She's actually not only influencing, she's making the decision. You know, um, we do it for our husbands. We do it for our families. We're deciding. Um, I, I bet Laurel is deciding what you put in your mouth. <laughs> in, in, in many cases. And not because she's cooking it because I am. I'm the one, but it's sort of, what do you but want? She's to put? influencing you, isn't yeah, she? Absolutely. Well, but, and there's also a couple of different sectors though, right? When, when we are in that phase, that, that second act of raising our kids and working, Clearly, there's much more of a division of responsibilities in terms of who's working. Absolutely. Nobody got on my case in terms of who does more work. We know it's the women that do that um, <laughs> in almost in all aspects of our life, right? Um, but but everybody's taking an active role and they aren't necessarily traditional. And we're in that place now as, as new empty nesters that our time is much more our own. And so the decisions we're making are less about taking, you know, one of our kids to softball practice, but much more about where do we travel and where are we going out to eat? And absolutely, um, you know, my wife is a significant part, but she just, you know, she's no shrinking violet. She just earned her master's in organizational psychology. So she's a great partner in all of this as well. But that's part of why um, I thought this would be a great subject of recognizing that even the decisions today and how we buy and all this stuff has changed significantly, but, um, but how we're making decisions um, that, that it's, it's much more flat, like a flat organization within our, within our households than, <clears throat> than the hierarchical past. You know, I think there's more of an exchange and there's been role reversals. You know, I do the cooking, but my husband, the pilot and, and the macho guy is also doing the dishes. <laughs> you know, yeah. I cook, cook doesn't clean. So I really love the way um, we work together in the household. And, and that's actually how we run businesses because he's, he's a partner in SmartFem and I do the marketing for his jet charter company. So I think taking on different roles and having the con communication and the expectations right up front, it makes it much more cohesive. But it also actually, I think having the yin and yang together in business and in your house just makes it more exciting, not only for the customer, but it's a more it's it's a more dimensional and relatable product or service, I think, as well. 
my mom was a manufacturer's rep for a lot of years. And so in her showroom, um, and she was, she was pretty ballsy. I mean, think Liza Minnelli with an extra 30 pounds and no filter. That was my mom. Um, I think I would But she her. was the kind. I remember I would say sometimes I'd say, Mom, really, do you do you eat with do you kiss me with that mouth? You know, she was like a sailor, but she was hilarious. But I remember one time, um, and I of course, as a kid, you're mortified when your parent is over the top, you know, type A or whatever, because you want don't I want anything like that. Right. You don't want anything embarrassing. Of course, now I get to be that for my kids and they'll be like, dad, you're so embarrassing. I'm like, oh, you have no idea. <laughs> ask, ask your sister, it gets worse. But I remember one time my mom, um, somebody had written a check and I was probably 12 or 13. This made a big impression on me. And it said, Mrs. Um, Mrs. Dennis Smith or whatever. I guess Dennis was her husband's name. And she took the check and she grabbed a ballpoint pen and she scribbled out the name. And then she gave it back to her and she says, write your name. And of course, I was mortified, but this was probably early mid seventies. Right. And when people would say Mrs. So-and-so and put the husband's name and um, she was trying to empower, put your name, right? Your name is, is, is important as well. And uh, that seems like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? You know, it really does. I, I mean, I think about some of the teachers that I had and they, Mrs. Boatwright and Mrs. So-and-so, and I've been a Ms. forever. Um, I was raised by a single dad. So he, he told me there is no pink team. There is no blue team. If you want something, you got to go get it yourself and make a name for yourself. And um, I hated that at the time, but I really appreciate it now. You know, um, he didn't pay for my college. I worked and put myself through college and I didn't yep. realize what a gift that was. There, there's a great line. Um, John Mayer has that great song, Daughters. Um, and if you look at, look up the lyrics for that, where he says, fathers be good to your daughter. And if you look at the lyrics, I mean, it says, fathers be good to your daughters because daughters will love like you do. So and isn't that great about modeling that kind of a thing? Let's talk about how it translates to business. Okay. Um, it is we, if we were that fly on the wall, product development, corporate America coming out of, of the pandemic and others as well. What have we learned and what do you think those, how do you think it's affecting the decisions for the new conveniences and the new, uh, new products and others coming down the pike? Uh, how have these changes you think are, are affecting those decisions? Well, I think there's been a lot of changes. I think people are demanding um, more social proof, um, again, tangibility, but also, um, We've, we've saw Amazon really step up, you know, when everything was shut down. So we have those expectations now. When you say uh, your product or service will be here at that time, not only are they sending it, but they're sending you photographs of it on your front porch and you're getting it. Yeah. I, think, I think it's been great in a lot of ways, but it also has set us back in a few ways because I think sometimes we have unrealistic expectations too. I think it's been great. It's forced everybody to do their best, but at the same time, I think we've been locked down for so long and so isolated. I'm seeing some of those issues pop up now too. Well, and I think um, when once again, talking about women and I've got three daughters and my wife and my 
former wife. Uh, but, but I see the skills that they bring to the table. And granted, I speak for a living, but their skills around conversation. And so much of the drivers today around conversations, social media, um, Yelp, Google, uh, Nextdoor, and TripAdvisor, and all of those as well, that social proof as, as a driver or a barrier to, uh, to potential purchases, uh, I think we're seeing uh, a lot of the women being far more eloquent uh, in both their dissatisfaction and satisfaction. And are, are companies good at recognizing and tapping into that unique skill set and the unique danger that comes from those skill sets? I, I think they are. I think they are. Um, I love, well, my oldest son has, um, he has his own business. His, his, he does remodeling in Florida. And we've seen places like, you know, Angie's List and Nextdoor and um, let's see, what's it, Thumbtack. These yeah. are all great resources. So if, if you're really good at what you do, it's going to be good for you. But if you are not good and you don't deliver what you promise, boy, everybody's going to know and they're going to know in record time. We've always yeah, you heard that a good reputation will follow you, a bad one will beat you to the door. It's beating you faster to the door than in record time because women have such a, they have a huge network. I mean, we all do. Um, right. women, I'm just going to say, we talk to our girlfriends, we vent online, we do everything a lot more so than men do. Not all men do. So. Yeah. But, and it's different. It I is mean, different. You, you talk in the bathroom for crying out loud. That, that's horrifying for us. <laughs> as, I'm just saying, it's just, it, it's just not done. No, but it, but it, what it does, it speaks to not only the art of conversation, but the value of it um, within, um, within females, within women, um, so much better. Uh, and nothing goes unseen. Nothing goes unheard. And is, do you think there's a, there's a way, because you, you do a lot with the magazines and the interviews and everything else. Mm -hmm. Is there a, a way to leverage that, to recognize the power of it and tap into it to benefit new products, companies, organizations, new brands, um, and and solidifying current brands. I, I think so. I think the best thing that we can do. Uh, one of the things that I love about being a journalist is I get I don't have to talk about myself. I'm asking questions, and I think that is a lost art. I think a lot of companies they don't listen to their consumers. It's getting better, but for a long time, especially. Um, women's products and cosmetics were created by men um, and not using the safest. I'm just using cosmetics as an example. Sure, but, yeah. But we've demanded that they stop testing on animals. We demanded vegan options. You know, when women started really articulating and hey, we're the ones that buy these products, listen to us. I think that's when it started to change and women started to really kind of come into their own and start creating these products. Um, they were listening to their audience. I think if companies would listen to their target demographic, to their consumer, and, and I mean really listen, I think it would be a game changer for their bottom line, but also for everything. I think 
we wouldn't have all these negative reviews if people would just listen. Right. And, and I think we would be doing a disservice if we didn't acknowledge that women as a buying block, as a voting block, are not monolithic. Right, they're just as diverse as any other. You can Absolutely. segment them. Um, somebody was saying that that women, as as the uh, the majority of the population, could control everything if they just get together. They could vote out whoever they could, but that assumes that they're monolithic. I mean, there's just as much diversity, um, ethnically, thought, opinions, um, economically, and so we can't think of them that way. No, and, and I. I think women collectively, we do represent a good buying uh, population, but we also have a lot of different cultures now too. I mean, yeah. we're, again, it's a global, it's a global economy. So we have all kinds of different sectors, but men aren't the same either. So I, I really think that, um, yes, we represent a big um, collective buying population, but I also believe that we're individuals and um, but I but I think that we have to pay attention to the bigger sectors. You know, you can't you can't placate everybody, but you need to listen to, you know, the vast majority. But isn't that the, the significant shift that that's happened is that the there would be you know, consumer panels trying out laundry detergent, things that are traditionally sexist, 1950s, 1960s. Um, but ultimately, it was the men making the decisions. But we're seeing women in higher and higher positions in organizations, and not just um, not just a seat at the table, but a voice in the conversation and a role in the decision making. A big role. I mean, um, and it's it's exciting too. I mean, we still saw our first automotive female engineer that that designed a completely electric truck. I didn't even think that was going to happen. I was really excited about that when Ford came out with that. But I, I mean, we're seeing women do some really amazing things. I mean, and young women too. I mean, I've seen some really young women just step into their own. But again, I think, I think we're kind of coming to a different place. Dads are different. Moms are different. Um, and you know, the man isn't out, you know, making the living women, you know, it's, it's two income families. And yeah, so the children necessity, of course, but that's not yeah. necessarily a bad thing because we're, because there's that much more of a, of a contribution and a role in all of that. Very important. Well, I think I was a better mom because I was a working mom, you know, um, I didn't have the patience to stay home and, and be daycare mom. But I admire the women who do. I really yeah. do. My well, daughter is also, a special ed teacher. I could not do it, but I think she's amazing. Yeah, but and, and even during COVID, we saw a lot of everyone working at home. And not just that our pets, you know, appreciated having us around, but much more opportunities. I've always had that great opportunity because I've, I've worked out of my home because I speak for a living and I consult. I work at home and I get a I was sometimes the only dad that was able to be there at this, the kids' um, performance in their classroom or their school play at every parent-teacher conference. We kind of added it up with all of our kids. We did, I did 16 consecutive years of having a kid in elementary school. Wow. 16 years wow. of parent-teacher conferences and scrambling for last-minute Halloween costume ideas and things like that. But um but hopefully there's a new appreciation for that and all the roles as well. So um, as we wrap up real quickly, give me, put on your, put on your, uh, um, 
your, I was going to say what I was about to mix metaphors. All right, take out the crystal ball. <laughs> Five years, 10 years from now, when you look at smart femme and the work that you're doing and the conversations you're having, where are the trends going in, in multiple aspects, purchasing, leadership, all of that? Um, where do you see women playing a role? I think women are going to be playing a large role, but my goal is for smart femme, I'd like to see the torch carried on long after I'm gone, but I really would like to see men and women come together. I don't think there has to be the pink team and the blue team. I really think collectively we can do so much more and understand each other more, but I think then it's just a win-win for everyone if there weren't these opposing uh, dynamics. Yeah, I agree. If people want to learn more about you, uh, Leah Woodford and Smart Femme Media, how do they get in touch with you? You know what? Hit me up on social media. I'm on everything. Um, she full, is. Full, full transparency, not that much on Twitter, though. <laughs> That's not my jam. Great. And then look, and your website is? Um, smartfemme.com. Smartfemme.com. Email address? Email is Leah, L-E-A, no H, at smartfemme.com them.com. Perfect. I want to make sure. Hang on for a second. We'll talk on the other side of this. You can um, pick up a copy of my new book, The Morning Huddle, Powerful Customer Experience Conversations to Wake You Up and Shake You Up and Win More Business. Um, in fact, all of my books are on Amazon, most of them on Audible as well. Be sure to click the like button to like this podcast, subscribe, leave your comments below and click the little bell icon. You can receive notifications of new episodes. You can also learn more about my keynote speaking and consulting at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in to Customer Experience Advantage podcast. Check out past episodes. Be sure to leave a comment. That's really important. Big thanks to my guest, Leah Woodford. And um, thanks to all the subscribers. I'm David Averin. Be Thank good. You. This has been the Customer Experience Advantage Podcast with David Averin. Feel free to leave a comment and be sure to hit the thumbs up button. You can listen to past episodes and be notified of future ones by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. David's popular marketing and customer experience books are available in print as well as Kindle and audiobook and published in multiple languages around the world. You can stay connected and learn more at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.